Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 20th episode. Today, we're going to talk about embracing the struggle, why it's important to embrace the struggle, why by doing this, how it develops character. And today, my guest, Coach Garrett Tujay, who is the offensive line coach at University of Virginia, is very passionate about this topic. He talks a lot about how he coaches his athletes how to embrace the struggle and to sit in the fire and learn from things that, that you probably would be afraid to engage with or not learn from. And Coach 2J does some really interesting creative things with his athletes as far as making them understanding why it's important to embrace the struggle and to earn it. He focuses on earning what you want in life. And he also shares intimate stories about his personal life on embracing the struggle, along with being a coach and also an athlete. And when you look at Coach 2J's background, he played for Chabot Junior College, was All-American, got a full-ride scholarship to BYU, was protecting Ty Detmer, who was a Heisman Trophy winner at the time. He went on to coach at Chabot Junior College, University of Redlands, was the head coach at College of the Canyons, and went back to his alma mater and coached at BYU and is now again at Virginia University. What you're going to hear from Coach is something very passionate, and you're going to learn so much about his perspective on embracing the struggle. So I can't can't wait until you guys hear his his message, and I'm really honored to have him on my show. So let's go talk to Coach. Hey, Coach, how are you? Doing great, Grant. How about you? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm super excited having you on my on my show and. And I want to share with my listeners kind of the, the backstory between you and I. Actually, you know, Coach 2J was one of my coaches um, during junior college. And uh, his younger brother, who's a really good friend of mine, blocked for me as well. And, and uh, I probably, I think, spent two years during that time living at your house for about three or four days of the week. So I definitely, uh, I know the 2J family. I know the 2J passion. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about, which I know you're very passionate about, is about embracing the struggle and which there's so much so much good meat that we can talk about that but before we get into the mindset of embracing the struggle i always ask all my guests what does mentally tough mean to you but i want to switch it up a little bit i want to ask you uh-huh. since as an athlete most of your athletic career you were not an offensive lineman you as a coach coach offensive lineman most of your career but what does mentally tough mean to an offensive lineman? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, as, as a mentally tough uh, athlete, especially in the offensive line, one of the things I, I love about it is that uh, there's nobody that really is going to understand what goes on in those trenches unless you've lived it. And uh, there's there's going to be times. It's just if you've played the game long enough, you're going to get your butt kicked. It happens to the best in the world. And being able to uh, forget it and move on and then later learn from it. I think the mental toughness as an offensive lineman just comes from the daily struggle of, of pushing weight. Uh, you know, every single snap, it's your job and your responsibility to mash heads. And uh, it just, it, it, there's no other position on the football field that requires constant contact every play. Um, so for that part of it, the mental toughness comes from being able to embrace that struggle and understand that, you know, I always tell my guys every, every, after every game, hey, sleep in, 
you don't got to worry about waking up early Sunday morning to read the newspaper because you're not in it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just you, you, you do it for the love and, and the camaraderie of each other. Uh, I think mental toughness is a lot too. Is you know, what are you doing in the off season when nobody's looking? Are, are you are you making the right choices to support your team to support your body uh, later? Uh, throughout the season because those things will come back and haunt you if you're not making the right choices that way. But a mentally tough offensive lineman enjoys uh, the physical aspects of the game of football and then also enjoys the film study and will be able to roll on Saturday. You know, it's it's interesting, you know, and, and coming from my background, you know, playing quarterback for, you know, 13 years, and, and you kind of generally hear people – you, you know, talk about playing football, you have to be mentally tough. But, you know, with the quarterback being the hardest position in sports, period, yeah. you, know, you, really, you know, you really have to weigh in on a quarterback to be mentally tough. But, you know, as I'm hearing you and hearing your perspective, I mean, and, I, and knowing that what offensive linemen have to do day in and day out, I mean, it's a grueling, grueling job that uh, if you're not mentally tough, you're just not going to survive. Yeah. You know, I think too, you know, especially, I, and I agree with you. I mean, the quarterback is, is you know, basically the thing you got to have one in order to be successful. Period. I mean, you can put smoke and mirrors around other positions, but if your quarterback's not mentally tough, and you're you're not going to be successful. And I think it comes from a different perspective. I mean, there's times where a quarterback has to lower his shoulder or has to sit in that pocket and just take one on the chin, and then bounce up faster than anybody. Uh, regardless of the pain that the body's experiencing, right. and because you just you just cannot you cannot let your opponent know that that got you. Um, and so I fully agree. And I think it's also you know when you when you need to get that first down and then or you know hey live for live for another another series and hook sliding. And sometimes that's that's a struggle you know because you have this this. MO about you as a big, tough, physical quarterback and being able to do that. And then, you know, if people see you hook slide a yard short, I think it's sometimes you've got to weigh those consequences and, and being there for your team for the remainder of the season. I think that that's important too. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, with regards to, to embracing the struggle and I'll, and I'll tell my listeners a little bit of background on this, why we came up to this yeah. topic is about a month ago or so, um, I saw on Facebook that you posted, you had this post about how athletes should not, you know, shy away or avoid embracing the struggle and how much you get out of sitting in the fire and what you learn from it and the lessons. So what does embracing the struggle mean to you as a coach? Yeah, it's it's a great deal. I I think, you know, the greatest or the best analogy that we can use is uh, your body is a machine and in order for the machine to be able to handle what's being asked of it, there, there's gotta be strain. There has to be uh, a desire to reach farther than you can at that moment um, to, to push, you know, on the bench press to push more weight than you can physically lift. Um, and that's the mind is the exact same way. Um, your mind ha- has to has to struggle and push past its limits. Um, a lot of times, especially you know, kids want to go practice and they want it to be successful. So, well, successful practice 
you know, is part of preparation, but it does not help you grow stronger um, because it's been all within the realm of your, of your capability. I think if you push beyond, you know, you, you, you throw that go route or that win post and it's just on your fingertips and you struggle and you stretch and it just, just hits the tips and you haul that bad boy in, <laughs> man, that, that's a great feeling. Then taking off that wind post and it just cradles right into your hands and it's, you know, it's almost effortless. Yeah, obviously six points is huge. But when you make that amazing struggle strain of a catch or the coach asks you to get out on the edge and reach somebody, and that, that dude's a wide, wide technique, and you, and you get that done, there's a huge sense of accomplishment. Mm. And then now you know, man, I, I can do more. And I tell my guys all the time, if you don't ever push yourself to the brink, if you don't ever get your body, your mind to that spot, how are you going to ever be able to know what you're fully capable of? Right. All right. So every, yeah, every day we get in and I ask my guys to do things that just might be without, without the, or out of their reach. And then when they hit that mark, there's that aha moment. And they look at you as your coach and they, they just, they, they can't believe what they've accomplished. And as a coach, you know, there's more in there. And each player is at a different level, and you got to understand that. But I, I think when you really, really stretch and give it everything you have and you fail and it just hits your fingertips, it's that same pass, it just hits your fingertips and falls on the ground, then now you should have hope that, like, you know what? If I just one more push or one more – and then now that becomes right in my hands. It's within our reach. I think that helps us strive for greatness. It's all about the struggle. The struggle is amazing. It's there for a reason. It's there to help us grow. You know, nothing good. My mom used to tell me all the time, nothing good comes to those that, that get things easy. Nothing. Right. Yeah. I, I love it, man. It's, it's, uh, I love the passion and it's, it's actually beautiful just to hear you talk about it and, and being a coach myself, it, it's really, really special when you see an athlete, like when you were talking about the aha moment where they're putting everything out on the field, they're leaving everything yeah. out on that play, whatever it is. And you see them get it. They, 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 they I want to say the reward of it, but they, they get the lesson yeah. like, man, I sat in the fire and, and, and now I know what coach is talking about. And it's, it's a beautiful experience to, to, to witness it. Yeah, absolutely. As a player coach relationship, I think it strengthens it. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. You ask, ask your players to do things and, and then they look at you at that aha moment like you're a genius and you wish you could take credit for inventing it or, or <laughs> you could take credit for putting them in that experience. But that's just what the, you know, the game of football and the game of life teaches us, you know, it, it just, you constantly have got to improve. Um, or what's the point, right? You know, if you're not improving, what's the point? Do you think athletes when they're, when they're engaging with, with the struggle or the fight, do you think that athletes, look at it as a negative thing? Yeah, I think sometimes, I think a lot of, I think it, it, it absolutely can be looked at that way um, for a player who has not experienced or been pushed, you know, and again, 
being very fortunate to be a college, being a college football coach, there's a lot of, a lot of good football players out there and there's some great ones. And typically in high school, they're never, their athleticism or their strength or their size just puts them at a total advantage. So everything's easy. And so when they come to the, the college level, now guys are a little bit bigger, guys are a little bit faster and it's a little bit tougher. I mean, the greatest thing about my career as a player was, you know, high school. Okay. That, that was a struggle for me early because my parents wouldn't let me play before high school. So I was way behind and then, okay, graduated high school and I finally got my grasp on it. Then I go to Chabot junior college, man. And, and those dudes are, and they're a little bit faster. They're a little bit stronger. They're a little bit more mature. And then, so that, that moment, and then having the opportunity to, play at a, a big time college like BYU to realize, holy crap, <laughs> now it's even, now it's even tougher, you know, and, and now these kids have been handpicked and, and they're bigger, faster, stronger. And so now every single, I've had a chance to get to every single level of football and then being in a training camp, you know, I mean, you're just blown away that a, a 320 pound man can move that quickly uh, linebackers reads are so much quicker. I mean, so to be able to have had that jump at every level um, and to see uh, you have to struggle and grind through that. I think sometimes those kids that come out of high school that it was just so easy for them or they come out of little league ball and it was so easy for them and they get to that next phase. I think that they sometimes if they don't have the proper training, they, they, they get lost in the shuffle. How many super sophomores have there been and then shitty seniors, you know, it, it just, it, it, it just being able to, yeah, have all this experience success and then not be able to grow because they've never had to learn that as a young age. I'll never forget. We were up in, uh, we were up, uh, my wife and I were up in California. We we're up in big bear, California. And my daughter who's now 23 was, I think she was four years old and she was climbing on a rock wall. Uh, on a rock wall outside of some shops. I, I, you know, I, was, I was responsible for watching her. And she was climbing, climbing on some rock walls. My wife came out of the store and, and I'm grabbing her, telling her, no, no, get down. You can't walk on the wall. You're going to get hurt. And my wife of all people goes, how's she ever going to learn? <laughs> how's she ever going to learn? You know, if, if we're always protecting her, how is she going to learn? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gotcha. I'm all in, you know? And, and, and so having my wife coach me up on that, you know, it just, it was kind of, and you're right. And now today, I mean, she still has a lot of her life left, but she embraces that grind and, and she knows that it's not going to be easy. And if you take calculated risks, there's consequences negatively and positively. So right. it was, it was a great story for me as a, as a young father and a coach to be like, you know, you, you can't protect these kids. You got to let them learn big time. So, Awesome. Well, what do you think athletes fail during the process of going through the struggle yeah. or embracing the struggle? Yeah. So I think there's two things that uh, there's two things. And I think fear, first of all, lives in the future. Fear lives in the future and guilt lives in the past. And so right now you got to live in the moment, especially as an athlete. Um, you got to live in the moment. And I think if you start thinking about the future, it creates fear. Uh, what's that fear of? Well, fear of failure, 
for one, right? As a college athlete, I don't think you ever go out to fail. You know, I never, I never understood why my mom would get so pissed. I mean, beat downs if you spilt your milk at the kitchen at the at the kitchen table for dinner. I just could, <laughs> you know. And, and, and I, I remember as a as an older son, my younger brother would he spilt his milk and and uh, and I just was waiting for this ass beating, you know. And uh, and being the oldest, I guess you're the practice child, but. My mom, I just looked at her, I was like, that's it? I mean, you're just going to go get a paper towel and wipe it up? And she's like, well, he didn't mean to do that. He didn't mean to fail at, at drinking his milk. And I'm like, where, where was that lesson when I was younger? <laughs> right. You know, and so, so I think that there's that fear of failure. Um, and, and where does that come from? Well, I, I think that comes from being unprepared. Now, there are things in, in sports and there are things in life that just blindside you, that, that you can prepare all you want. But I think the human mind, when it works its fastest, um, it's decide and go. Uh, out on the football field, you don't have time to always analyze every situation. And, and, and you try to do everything as a coach you can to prepare for a certain coverage, a certain front, a certain blitz. But maybe that week they just put in something new for you. And so you just have to let instincts take over. And I think the more that you let – a player play and experience that failure. And I think feedback of failure is a gift. If you're going to coach a kid and he's looking down and he's shrugging his shoulders and he's not getting the lesson of the failure. And I think you're losing that moment. I think, yeah, you, you need to be demanding and you need to demand that it's perfect, perfect, but you also have to understand and let, and let there be an opportunity for failure, because I think that, that you can learn from that moment. And sometimes, sometimes you get that moment in practice or on a game where maybe not the exact same thing happens, but they figure it out in a snap. And then now, now you've got that moment where that, that athlete is prepared. Uh, I think the second thing of fear uh, that creeps into an athlete's mind is injury. Uh, and, that, and that's the reality. I think, uh, you know, if, if you do everything, you know, last week we had an amazing, amazing player for us defensively. Has had an incredible off season starting back in January, and great fall camp, great summer, great fall camp. Came out had a phenomenal week of practice. Probably gonna you know get some accolades for an All ACC Defensive Player. Third quarter, first game, breaks his wrist. Ah. Done for the year you know, done for the year. And so those things are going to happen. And, you know, and I think that that mindset that you have going through that things happen for a reason and it's terrible. You never want to see that, but it's it, it just, it's, it's, if you're going to play football, if you're going to drive your car down the street, if you're going to take the stairs, there's a possibility you could suffer an injury. It's a horrible way to go through life. I think you just go and you don't worry about the injury. And when it comes and you embrace it, and you take off and, and you rehab and you do what the doctors ask you to do. You do what your trainers, you do what your boss, if you're in the real, you do what you're asked to do and you embrace it because you can't change it. You can only grow from it and come back stronger. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think even with the athlete that broke his wrist, I mean, there's an opportunity moving forward for him embracing the struggle because he has to, 
he has to be patient for his bone to, to heal. He has to be patient yeah. for the rehab and then, and then, you know, build that confidence back in his wrist again when it comes to, uh, totally. you, know, you know what I mean? To next season. So yeah, man, this is, you're preaching the gospel and I, and I love it. And I, and I think when you think of the fear of failure, um, and there's kind of a, a well-known acronym for fear that I use all the time with my athletes and it's false evidence appearing real. And at the end of the yeah. day, we as humans, we make meaning and we're meaning making machines and we're the ones that create the fear within us. No one does it. The coach doesn't, the opponent doesn't, we create it. And once we can control the you versus you perspective and you can control your emotions and your thoughts, then that fear of failure is really not there. And and then you yeah. can and you can see the struggle a little bit more clear if if you can, you know, control that fear. And you know, when you're talking about being present, being mindful, there was a quote that Dalai Lama said, I think I read it, I think Coach Patrick Wall shared it with me a couple of years ago, but it was, he said that there's two days you don't want to live in and it's yesterday and tomorrow. And yeah. it just, it just stuck with me because I, I share with that with, with athletes and coaches and teams all the time, because if you are not present in the moment, then you can't move forward. And if you're stuck in what just happened yesterday or that last play, you can't go forward. And if you're thinking about the future, well, then you're not being present to go forward. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you, um, you recognize and, and talk about the power, you know, the, the power of being present. Yeah. It's, I think it's the most important thing. I, I mean, you know, and the Navy SEALs use, you know, the toughest, the toughest day there's ever been was yesterday, hmm. you know, and, and, and you got to live in that moment right now um and and go and i think hopefully your training has prevented or has been able to prepare you for that moment you know you you go and and talk about it you come on the sidelines there's a series of play that happens and then you get your guys on the sideline and and you want to talk about what just happened so you can move forward what i'll do is i'll i'll address those corrections right and then i'll talk about hey this is what we're going to do in the next series and 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 these are the things i want you to start preparing for now as you go out and and know that this we've taken care of this this past and and now we're right now in the moment it's it's third down get your mind ready for this and and then go out there and take the field one of the things that i've i've always loved as a as an offensive coordinator as a head coach or as an O-line coach, you know, we take the field uh, with a mindset of it, 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 we're charging into the fire. Uh, we know that out on that field is tough. And so we have our players will link arms and walk up to the sideline and, and they charge the field like they're, it's a symbolic thing of they're going into the, the, the fire of hell and the struggle and it, and, they're sprinting to it as fast as they can to get set to take it on face to face. And so I've always loved that as a coach, that mindset, you know, I, I, I can't stand it when people just roll out of the field, you know, it, it, you need to, you need to charge that bad boy and, uh, and just get ready to embrace what's in front of you. I love it, man. I, I, I actually, I love that too. And, I think when you when you go to battle, there's that warrior mindset as well. That not only do you need to have that, but it's you know, from a coaching perspective, it's nice to see when you see that that warrior mindset. And 
And that warrior mindset is not just developed on game day. That's that's when you're going from the locker to the practice field is how you change out of the, the civilian mind into the warrior mind. If you can do that every day at practice and then your team is doing it with you, locked arms on game day, man, it's uh, yeah. it's a great feeling and it's, and it's just really cool to see. Yeah, it sends a powerful message. And, and every program I've been involved with, there's there's uh, – you know, I, I love, I love, I've talked to my players. There's a couple goals that we have that are really specific to the offensive line. But, you know, I, I love playing football really because I could take everything that I had experienced in that day, good, bad, and different. And I, as soon as I cross that line onto the practice field, my mindset and my, my, my mentality has to change. And so there's, there's a, we have a, a physical piece that they have to touch in order to go out to the practice field. And if they touched it, that's an indication to them and to me that they're all in. Mm. That this is, they're they're going to give all their attention. And I think there needs to be that physical presence. It's not, you know, some people are fortunate enough. They can just flick the switch with others. I think it's, you know, it, it comes back to, and we talk about this throughout fall camp and, and we build this at, at the end of every single one of our meetings we have a 60-second paper that the guys have to write. And it's basically just to recap what we've talked about in that meeting. And then they come up 60, minutes, 60 seconds before the next meeting starts, whether it's later that day or the next day, and they read that letter that they've written to themselves. And it can have their objectives that they're going to reach. Uh, it's a, it, it, I have them list you know, one thing that they want to work on, three things they did really well. And it just kind of reminder of, you know, what they're doing. And then there's, uh, you know, this week I have different things, but this week I taped across the door to my O-line room. There's a tape and it's, it's about, I don't know, stomach high on me. And they have to run block underneath it to come in and out of my room. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, when they do that, they're, they're setting their mind for what this week has to entail. And so then out in the practice field, they'll walk out onto the practice field and there's a thing, an offensive line, uh, whatever, whatever it may be. And it cha- I change it up every year that they all have to touch to go out and, uh, and prepare uh, and leave everything from that day behind them. So they start to get into that warrior culture, that warrior mindset. You know, and I think it was uh, Ray Lewis. I mean, rent is due every day. <laughs> right rent is due every day you know and I, I i tell that to my guys all the time i mean do you have enough money to, to pay the rent and i ain't taking checks and i'm not taking credit card i want cash hard money <laughs> to pay that rent so it's uh i use that a lot i, I love the physical piece about it you know because some people are, are different you know they're auditory or um you know they, yeah. they just process things differently so touching something signifies that you know we're all in game in but i also love what you do with your linemen as far as when they enter into your into your your office how they have to you're conditioning a behavior and when you you know what i mean when you get that buy-in and they're with that behavior on a day-to-day basis i mean that's that's where you see um you see the culture within your offensive line you see the culture within the program but you see this cohesiveness that is like being born if you will every day getting stronger and stronger by by conditioning the behavior yeah. so 
hats off to you. I think that's um, I love that because when coaches can be creative with with their role to develop players um, in a creative way, I'm all for it, man. It's uh, it's really cool to hear that. So it's funny. I've done a ton of research on education and learning and how people learn. And you know, like you said earlier, some people are kinesthetic learners. Other people can just see it. Um, you know, some people have to, you know, it, they associate a smell with it you know, whatever olfactory senses, whatever it is that they need, you know, I try to do that. But one of the things that we do as a program, and I just learned this a couple of years ago, and it's actually like, I, I think it's brilliant, um, modeled after the KIPP school, which is out of Chicago. And, and they, they go into socioeconomic areas and try this teaching style where every single kid comes in. They, they have to earn the paper and the pencil or pen to write on. They have to earn the right to use those books. And so every day, my guys have to demonstrate a physical task to earn to come into the O-line room to learn. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's changed. Uh, it's changed a lot. You know, you, you can get into a room, like I said, coaches being creative. I think the crazier it is, um, the more they're going to learn, you know, corny is cool. I, I think the cornier it is, they'll, they'll never, they'll never forget it. But if it's the same mundane meeting, if it's the same tone, you know, like Ferris Bueller, anyone Bueller, you know, I mean, right. when you have that same message, um, you're going to lose your kids. I think you, you have to do everything you can outside of the box, no matter how crazy it is, you, you, you've got to, have something that they don't get used to the same routine absolutely and it kind of reminds me a little bit of um urban meyer has he has this um i don't know the exact name for it but it's a it's like a it's a color code earn it system so with the three different colors for iowa state like everyone starts off at the at color white and you have to do yeah. certain things to to get to the next color level but that means that you earn yourself, you know, more food at lunch, or you get to wear a towel, uh, or you get to put um, certain gloves on. So he has this color code, uh, an earnt culture, if you will. Yeah. But but it's I love it, man. Because you know, my next question is a perfect segue because we're we're in a culture now that it's it's instant gratification. Whether if it's yeah. with social media or if you want to go buy something off Amazon, everything is just there within the same day or the next day. And with, with that being said, do you think that this instant gratification culture kind of contributes to athletes not really embracing the struggle? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, I think it goes back to, and again, I, it's, it's interesting because there's been tons of research done on, uh, you know, a, a prodigy kid, you know, and has had tremendous success as, uh, as a young player and then you know commented earlier in the podcast about the super sophomore and and things have come easy and and you would think oh my gosh that that kid destined for athletic greatness and then there's those sleeper stories uh you know michael jordan and you know getting cut from basketball are you kidding me like you know the, the being that that kid who struggled um and it didn't come easy for him and then all of a sudden they're, they're playing at the highest level and succeeding. And I think my dad used to grind this in us all the time. 
all the time, man. Have you ever had anybody come take something from you that you've really earned? Mm-hmm. And I think about that and I'm like, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, it was a crappy car. It was a 1974 four door baby crap Brown Ford Maverick, but that was given to me. And I treated that car like crap. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't worry about if it was clean or a wash it, but I remember the very first car I bought saved my money. And I remember in mean, the long hours of what, you know, whatever it was, the job I was working to get that, that thing was a piece of crap. Oh man, to me, I took care of that thing. I made sure every 5,000 miles oil changed. I made <laughs> sure that thing was immaculate inside. I made sure that it, you know, it, I washed that car so much. I washed the paint right off of it, but it, it was, it was mine. And then somebody stole that car. This is somebody stole that car from my wife and I, um, when we were, when I was a graduate, uh, a graduate assistant and I was pissed, like pissed, like, you know, and I, and I, you know, you get things stolen, whatever, it's no big deal. And that's what you have insurance for. But that was this, that was beside the fact that was mine. Uh, and how dare you come take that? And I think the same thing with today's athlete. I think things are given to them and it's so easy. Um, you know, I, I love the best athletes, the best, the strongest men have come out of just shacks of weight rooms. You know, they, they lift boulders in the back alley. They push old school, wet, rusted steel. None of this fancy, you know, and so to me, I think when you earn and you understand what it's taken to get there, and I'm not saying that today's modern athlete can't earn that, but I think if, if there's been a struggle, then there's more pride in your work. There's more pride in your trade, and you're less likely to get beat or definitely less likely to give up. And one of the greatest cartoons, I, I, I love it. It's in every one of my offices. It's in my home. Uh, it's everywhere. And it's, it's, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a stork you know, in a pond with reeds coming up everywhere, white stork with a frog in its mouth. And it's got its head slightly gazed up, and it's trying to swallow the frog, but the frog's hands are outside and choking the stork. Mm. So wh- whoever gives up first is, is going to lose. <laughs> right. if, the frog, if the frog doesn't squeeze just for one more second, all you got to think about is just squeeze for one more second, right. and he's lunch. If the stork spits the bit, man, he's going hungry. You know, so, and you got to eat to live, right? So right. I love that because the picture is perfect. It just, just all you got to do is hold on one more second. That second just came and went, just hold on one more second. Okay, just one more second and outlast. And I think sometimes that, that gets lost in the culture of, you know, going back to, man, if you've never reached your limit where you're just dirt dick tired and you can't even pick yourself up, how do you really know what you're capable of? If somebody's right there, just, you know, that's my biggest thing too. Biggest pet peeve. My old linemen are not allowed to have somebody squirt a Gatorade bottle in their mouth. Can't. I'll choke them out. They (laughs) have to grab the the Gatorade bottle themselves and do it. What are your hands broken? All of a sudden you can't, you can't squeeze and drink your own water. So there's someone there pampering you and yeah, you're working hard, but you're not taking care of it yourself. Man, I, I think you lose that lesson. Man, that, that's that's awesome, man. And just a picture of of the stork and the frog. I mean, <laughs> that is the 
the image and the epitome of embracing the struggle, right? It's um, oh, absolutely. It's it's awesome, and you know, and I've talked I've talked about this a few times in my other podcast, but and it's you know, I, I coached at Sarah High School with Coach Patrick Walsh um, the last couple of years, and he the way he looks at embracing the struggle, he he we use this word around the program, the misery, and because he talks about. You know, last year we went 0-4 and then we won 10 in a row and was a state. But he was talking about life is a struggle. Life is not easy and it's going to be miserable at times. And so it was it was really interesting because when things weren't going our way, it was like you, you could see Coach, he'll look at us and go, the misery, the misery. And then he would talk about what we learned from the miserable or the misery that we went through. He always would teach yeah. these kids, right? So what was really cool about it at the end of the season after the state game, we got our we got our championship rings, and inside every single ring, he actually engraved the misery inside the ring, and it was so it's right. like it's it's it was a symbol. The ring was a symbol of embracing the struggle. I think that's I think it's all I think that's that's what it's about because if you think about it, you know, just use the Patriots and the Falcons last year. I mean, everybody, and I don't care who you can say whatever you want the Patriots are going to lose the Super Bowl. I mean, it was, I mean, they're not, nobody had ever come back. Right. You could be the biggest diehard Patriots fan and you can totally disagree with me, but you knew deep down in your heart, it was over. And I think that same thing with you guys, 0-4, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then to rattle off 10 straight, you have to remember 0-4. Before you can recognize that ring, you have to remember 0-4. Uh, and, what, and what a great – I mean, it, you, there's going to be days where you're just knocked down. Yep. You're knocked down. you got to get up. you got to get up. And, and, and I think that's a great message to those young men that every time, you know, 25 years from now, their high school reunion, they got those rings. And, and there's going to – in those next 25 years, there's going to be things harder than that 0-4 start in their life. Exactly. I, and so to be able to have that as a daily reminder, I think that's a brilliant idea. Now, tell me about either as an athlete or as a coach, tell me a time where you had to personally embrace the struggle, whether for you were an athlete or a coach. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's fun. Every, every, every coach has that, that story or that defining moment. Um, you know, so a 6'5", 300-pound man, not, you kinda, you'll see me coming down the street. <laughs> and uh I, I remember i was uh, had a really good job really good job it was uh you know i was i was a salesman for a, a nationwide trucking company and you know i i was in the office i was out in the field and it was okay and i just i just wasn't feeling gratified i was i was coaching kind of part-time at chabot um the job had taken over and uh, and, uh coach davis you know gave me some responsibility but you know, it wasn't like I was in that day-to-day operation. I just felt a piece of my life missing. And so I came to my wife and we were talking. I was like, babe, I, I, do, I, gotta, I gotta get a master's degree um, and I gotta go GA. Uh, and my wife's like, I, I, are you kidding me? I was with you in college. You hate school. What are, what are, you, what are we doing? This is, this is crazy. Um, you know, we got a great job. We're making great money, you know. And I said, I just... I just am not, I'm going to be miserable. 
And so I decided to go back to school and I went to a, a, a small liberal arts college because I wanted to be the coach. I didn't want to be the guy setting up the cones and running and getting coffee. <laughs> I did all that, but I was also the O-line coach. And so I remember we went from basically an unlimited budget monthly to $200 a month. And my rent was $900 a month. And so I just remember, man, I, I have my wife, I have my daughter and, and we're relocating, we're moving to a different part of the country. Um, and I, I remember, you know, my daughter, her we, we crib, something happened in the crib. And so all we had to put her in was a drawer that was her bed. Um, and I just, man, I had long, dark nights thinking about, man, what have I done? And it got to the end where, you know, money was, we had saved a little bit, but it, you know, it was running out when you're only making 200 and your rent alone is 900. So I remember, um, I would go to, uh, a little deli. It was like a breakfast place and I would wash dishes and it was hilarious because the window was made for like someone who's five, six. And, and I just remember all this, the, the servers or the bus boys and girls would bring me the dishes so I could wash them. Now, I wasn't the guy, I, the waiter, I wasn't the, even the, the maitre d' or the, the bus boy. I was the dishwasher. Hmm. And I'm looking going, man, this is, this is crazy. I went from being the lead of 12 men, of, you know, telling them what to do, how to do it, making great money. To, I'm, I'm in this hole in the wall. I got the owner of the place ripping my ass every time I, I hit the paper dispenser three times to get more paper to wash my big meat hooks. He's telling me <laughs> I only need to hit it one time. He's trying to save money. And I'm in there scrubbing dishes going, I, I didn't envision this. Wow. But I knew that if I were to come out of this and that I was to be able to have this be a story for me to come back on, I, there's no, nobody's going to beat me. I'm going to, every job I want, I'm going to get, and, and nobody, nobody is, is going to struggle as hard as me, um, to do this, you know, and then coming back on the, on the weekends, working odd jobs, you know, mowing lawns or whatever to just every little bit help just to, you know, put more peanut butter and jelly in the, on the shelf. And so, you know, you start thinking about, you know, now being at a big time BCS program and what it took to get there. You know, I, I, I have a little, a little plaque of a picture of just my chest through the window. I told my wife to come in and take a picture as I'm washing dishes, and that's in my office. I'll never forget that, that I came from there um, to be where I'm at today. And I think it goes back to that instant gratification. There, there's really no such thing. I, I don't think you value or appreciate what you have until you've had to work your tail off to get it. Man, I, I love, I love, I mean, I'll say this. I love those stories, man. It's, um, it's those stories that, that create, uh, our character and resilience. Totally. And I remember a long time ago, it's, uh, probably about eight or nine years ago, I was wine tasting and there was this lawyer that I ended up, you know, befriending and we started talking and he was a really interesting dude. And he asked me, he goes, he goes, what's your, what's your it story? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, tell me a story where it defined you and where it changed you. And I was like, man, that's a really interesting question. And so like stories like yours that even though 
you were a little uncertain and you look back, you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but you trust the process. You trusted the process yeah. and it's taking you to this point. And, and I also have a mentor that, you know, he, he was telling me, you know, now that I have my own company, he goes, man, you're, you're going to get scared. You're going to be at the end of the edge of the, the cliff. You're going to look down. You're like, I don't want to jump, but he goes, you know what? Jump because you're going to be okay. If your heart's in it yeah. and your mind's yeah. in it and you believe in the process, you're going to be okay. You're going to struggle, but you can be okay. So yeah. it's a great lesson. It's an awesome story. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing it. No problem. It just, it's, it's all about that and having, like you said, those it moments. And the longer you're on this great planet, the more it moments you might have. And like you said, I think it totally defines you and it's your character and, and those are important things because at the end of the day, it's all you have. It's your character, who you are, and, and what and what people are going to remember you as. I mean, that's that's all you have. Big time. Big time. Well, Coach, man, this is um, – obviously, I can talk hours about this, this topic. <laughs> and and I, I love your passion on it as well. Um, but before we, we end here, I want to – uh, promote a book I could do every podcast and this is really this is ties into exactly what we're talking about and there's a book called Grit by uh, Angela Duckworth uh, the power of passion and, and perseverance and this this book is getting a ton of press um, it's kind of kind of the bible of understanding what grit is how you evaluate grit um, how you develop grit and there's all sorts of good stuff in here so for my listeners if you're interested in learning more about grit um, please check this out and coach man this is uh to me this is special man I, it was it was great to reconnect with you hear your passion i'm, I'm rooting for you guys this year and i hope you guys uh beat indiana this week grant i appreciate that man it's awesome like you said same deal just to go back to those those memories of you sitting in that pocket and, and having <laughs> Brett try to block his butt off for you. It just, it rekindled some great memories. And, and, and for your listeners, I, I, Angela Duckworth and all her research in that book is an amazing tool. Absolutely amazing tool. Um, it's in my library. I, I got it folded over, highlighted, and I, I, research, I, I refer back to it quite often. It's a, it's a great book. So a definite treasure. So Grant, I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, talk about my passion and uh, can't wait to, to hear you uh, be how successful you get with your, with your new company. Awesome, man. I appreciate it.